Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Five o'clockers, we apologize for being late. We went a little bit long with Mark Slareth, but we're back. Sports Radio 92.7 is where you are, and we deeply appreciate that. Uh, we got Luke DeCock in 15 minutes. We'll talk about State blowing one at home last night to Pitt, what that means for the Wolfpack's tournament hopes, and Kevin Keats' employment in the future. We don't know, but... I don't think it's good for either one. So that he's also apparently been uh, going back and forth with Darren Gant today about the ACC men's basketball tournament, uh, which will be in the state of North Carolina from 2025 through 2029. So basically five straight years of ACC men's basketball tournaments in Charlotte and Greensboro, Uh, 2025, 2026. Both of those years will be in Charlotte. Uh, 27 in Greensboro, 28 back in Charlotte, 29 back in Greensboro. Might be the best thing Jim Phillips has done so far in his tenure as commissioner of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Uh, they're going to play it in D.C. this year. And uh, I don't, I mean, I get D.C. Would have made a lot more sense if Maryland was still in the conference. Yeah, well, no, I, don't, I disagree with that because you got Syracuse, you got Pittsburgh, you got Boston College. Like It's like the center point of the coast. It doesn't bother me. Um, although, again, I, I think to your point, though, D.C. is kind of big Big Ten territory now. Let them have it. Yeah. <laughs> Let them have it. So for five straight years, they're playing this thing in uh, Charlotte and Greensboro, although I think Luke's going to make the point that he felt like they should have taken it to Reynolds Coliseum out in Raleigh for the 75th anniversary of the first tournament. Which would be in 2028. Yeah. So, so we'll talk about that with Luke. Um, and before we get back to the Hornets and a big, big trade deadline day, Several people have said, KB, I've not heard you talk about what C.J. Stroud said about Bryce Young in that interview with Ryan Clark. And we haven't played that yet, so let me play it real quick. This is this is C.J. Stroud in a sit-down with ESPN's Ryan Clark on the season, but they got into more specifically Bryce Young. In his shoes, I feel like a lot of stuff didn't go his way that was out of his control. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you can't make a play if somebody don't block. You can't make a play if somebody don't catch the ball. Like, And when you watch the tape, like, Bryce did a lot of great things. Yep. You know what I'm saying? He's going to be a great player, but it takes time. You know, like, I think I came into a situation where, you know, we were struggling, I know, but, like, uh, we still had a lot of good pieces, and, and Nick Casario, our GM, brought in a lot of good vets. You know, D'Amico was the perfect coach for our, our type of team. So, like, I think our rhythm, and, you know, like I said earlier, everybody's path is different. Like, mm-hmm. maybe I had a good rookie year, and Bryce is going to have a great second year, you know what I'm saying? And hopefully I do too, but, like, I know everything's going to be fine for him. And I told him, like, you the one, bro. Yeah. You the one for a reason. Like, don't ever, ever, like, and he's not going to, but don't ever look at yourself different, bro. Right. Like, ever. There you go. That was C.J. Stroud on the Pivot Podcast with Ryan Clark. Um, I, You know, he said a lot of things there that we've said that I think are accurate, but I also kind of expected – the fact that these two guys are best, like literally best friends, right? For it to be dismissed because of that. And, and I understand it. Like I, I'd take up for my best friend too, right? So I, I don't mean to be dismissive or act as if it's not at all significant. I think Stroud's interesting. And I think what he said has a lot of merit to it, but I'd take up for my best friend too. So all that matters at this point is what gets done on the field. Bryce has to have a, a good year too. He just has to. Uh, some people are already out, but they... They will not give him any more chances if there's not a better year two. So I think that one's pretty clear cut. Um, the 803 number said this man, Bryce, called CJ invented, LOL. <laughs> Either that or he's firing off clips of offensive line whiffs and, and wide receiver drops and, and bum routes. I don't know what it was. You see where Icky missed on this block right here, man? Come on. <laughs> DJ, I threw the ball to DJ Chark three times, three times, all of them dimes. 
didn't get a single catch, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That probably happened, to be honest with you. Uh, Mr. Sizes said, yeah, he's not going to trash him. He's not. That, that's why I'm not going to get like, hey, did you hear what CJ said about Bryce? Yeah, it's interesting, but they're best buddies. And I would take up for my best friend, too. That's what makes you best friends. 704-570-9610. Uh, Jack says the way guys are talking about their postseason conversations uh, with Bryce, the guy must be emotionally distraught or broken from year one. All right. Yeah. I, would you blame him? I, 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 a, there was so much bad. All of it was bad. Like pretty much all of it. Anyway, back to trade deadline day for a couple of minutes. This is arguably the biggest, most impressive NBA trade deadline day that we've seen from the Hornets. Now, somebody earlier said, yeah, but KB, this doesn't move the needle for me at all. None of these guys are going to contribute. Nothing's going to blah, blah, blah. Okay, got it. But they did the thing that so many of you have wanted them to do. They're blowing up the roster. They've now traded away Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, and P.J. Washington. If I told you three weeks ago that by the trade deadline, they will have traded away Rozier, Hayward, and P.J. Washington, many of you would have been organizing a parade similar to a championship parade. All right? So they've done what you wanted them to do. And I, I think the trades make a ton of sense for them in terms of what they got in return. The P.J. Washington deal, love it. Unprotected first-round pick in the future. You bring back Curry and Grant Williams. I'm not saying they're the be-all, fix-all guys, but I, I think they're the culture guys who will demand better inside the locker room. I do believe that. Um, And and, and I think this all indicates, again, you know, I'll just let Adrian Wojnarowski say it, but I, I think we all have to agree with him based on what happened here today is that these moves seem to indicate that Miles Bridges is coming back. Big one, Scott. Miles Bridges in Charlotte. This is a player who... Uh, you know, has, you know, came back this season, essentially out all of last season. Uh, but he has had back-to-back 40-point games. Charlotte had talked with a few teams about him. But I think Miles Bridges uh, is very, very likely going to be with uh, the Hornets past the trade deadline tomorrow. And then this is an organization that would like to re-sign him this summer. There you go. Um you know, Miles Bridges, according to Brian Windhorst earlier today, is reportedly shutting down any trade. He's got a no trade clause in the one-year deal that he's on, and he's a, he's reportedly told the Hornets he's not going anywhere. He doesn't want to be traded. He will he'll nix any trade. So Miles Bridges is staying at least through the rest of the season. Now, by staying here, of course, he retains his bird rights. Though I don't think the Hornets are looking to pay him max money anyway. But I, I do get the sense that he does want to be here. And more importantly, I get them getting the sense that the Hornets want him here. They can afford to pay him outright. They're clear as a result of some of these trades, they're clearing up cap space today, ensuring that they can sign Miles Bridges. So I think he's coming back. And there are a lot of folks who don't like it, but there are plenty of folks who do too. I mean, the man's dropped 40 plus in back-to-back games. I know it was right there at the deadline. Maybe he felt like he needed to convince the organization to keep him. I don't know. Maybe it was just good shooting nights, fortuitous timing. I'm not sure. But he's gone off 41 and 45 in consecutive games. So if you're telling me into the future now that starting next year in an ideal situation, we're getting healthy LaMelo, Brandon Miller, Miles Bridges, Mark Williams, full stop, before we get to anybody else, those four guys. I mean, don't you at least feel like guardedly, cautiously optimistic about next year? It's going to be a watchable product at the very least. I, would I know, think. I know, I know. We've been trying, but we've thought that for the last two years too. And injuries have derailed the entire thing. But so I, like, we're I, all scarred I, around here. Yeah, I, I know that. But I also feel like that this, these, some of these moves that were made today, gives you the chance to have some depth. 
having Seth Curry and Grant Williams, I think, gives you some depth. Like, some of these guys, like, JT4 is probably not going to be playing in the NBA not much longer unless he changes, and he'll probably go to the G League. Nick Smith Jr., I mean, he's playing. I think he's got a bright future, but honestly, he needs to go back to the G League because it's just that's probably the best way, thing for his development. Bryce McGowan's, I don't know what the future holds for Bryce McGowan's. I, it, it, I mean, he's been a liability on defense, too. A lot of these guys that are on the bench, I mean, Ish. Oh, some of these guys, are they are not coming back. I mean, Ish was almost retired anyway, and he just came back because it was Charlotte. So, I mean, he's probably not going to be playing next year, and I don't even know if he's going to be cut within the next day or two because they got to make some roster cuts now. They, no, they do. They're guys that have to leave this roster. you got to think Seth Curry um, and, and Grant Williams coming this way from Dallas. In the Oklahoma City trade with for Gordon Hayward, you've got uh, Vasily Micic. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, Davis Bertans, noted Hornet killer at times, and Trey Mann coming over. Not Terrence Mann, right, Smoke? Yes, I got my man's yeah, mixed up. Yeah, you did. You got your man's mixed up. All right. I said Trey Mann, Florida Gator. He's like, no, no, he went to Florida State. And you were wrong. Trey Mann, Florida Gator, Man. 23 years old, former 18th overall pick in the draft, also coming over in this deal. I think Mitch did really well for himself today. I think Mitch Kupchak did really well for himself. Quick phone call before we step aside. Chris wants to talk Hornets. What's up, Chris? How are you, buddy? Hey, what's up, Kyle? Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I was just going to say, uh, also, Nick Richards not moving today was a big move. I don't know what that means for the future, but I know people are worried about uh, Mark Williams being injury prone, but Nick Richards has been solid this year, so good that he's still on the roster. Yeah, I don't mind it. I mean, we felt pretty good about it to start the season that they had a couple of seven-footers, right, that, that looked like they could walk and chew gum at the same time at the very least, and Williams and Richards, and if that's what they want to bring back next year to start, I'm good with that. Hey, a lot better than we were last year. <laughs> to say the least. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate the phone call. 704-570-9610. Somebody else pointing out that, um, and we talked about this in the opening hour too, but in case you didn't put the puzzle pieces together, uh, the P.J. Washington deal to Dallas, everybody's going home, quote-unquote. P.J. Washington is from Dallas, so he's going to play for the hometown Mavericks. And then both Seth Curry and Grant Williams coming this way in the deal from Dallas, they're both Charlotte natives. Uh, Grant Williams played at Providence Day. Seth played at Charlotte Christian. Uh, like Steph. So everybody's going home. It's a homecoming all the way across the board. 704-570-9610. Hit us up. We'll keep taking your texts. We'll work in some more of these Hornets thoughts throughout the course of the show. But Luke DeCock, Raleigh News and Observer next on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Join Weston Walker on Friday. We give you the top 10 players for Super Bowl 58. You're not going to want to miss that on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. KB and Smoke cruising with you here on a Thursday. Toward the Super Bowl on Sunday. I'm excited. I think I'm excited. I don't know, Smoke. I, how do you, are you excited about Sunday or are you, hey, it's a big football game. It's the last one. We're all going to watch and we just that's what we do. I'm excited. I think it's going to be a good game. Um, I don't ha like have a clear rooting interest. I'm, I'm rooting for Steve Wilkes. Oh, I'm, I have a rooting interest now. I'm buying a Chiefs t-shirt before Sunday. After Ed McCaffrey stood us up yesterday on the show. I'm a Chiefs fan through Sunday night. Look, if, if it wasn't for Steve Wilkes, I'd be rooting for the Chiefs to win. Okay, that's a fair point. But I'm still pretty salty about Ed McCaffrey. Understandably so? No, I'm not really salty. It was funny. yesterday. If you missed it yesterday, Ed McCaffrey was supposed to join us live from Radio Row. And we're pretty certain 
that after a long day of media obligations, he found out that we were Charlotte and thought, they're going to ask me about Christian. I'm going to pass. So, you know, it's all it's all in good fun. But still, that happened yesterday. Let's uh, let's take a break from the Panthers. Well, maybe. Let's talk to Luke DeCock of the Raleigh News and Observer, longtime sports columnist. He's back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Luke DeCock, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Ed McCaffrey won six games as the head coach at Northern Colorado in two years. So he's used to taking L's. So he'll be fine. Oh, take that, Ed. Smoke, add that to the promo. That was great stuff, Luke DeCock. Man, it's good to have you back. Who do you like Sunday, by the way? Uh, uh, I like the Niners. I just feel like that's a, a, uh, a, a finely tuned machine that has escaped a couple sort of potential pitfalls and just has that, I don't want to say team of destiny because that's a cliche. I just feel like it's their year. Um but I don't, I don't have a strong feeling either way. I mean, I, 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 this is one of those things where I'm going to, I have a, uh, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm out here 90 degrees in. I, I, I lean toward the Niners, but, uh, but I don't have a strong opinion. Sounds like, I'm, sounds like I'm in the same boat as you guys. Okay, fine. Now, hold on. You, you tweeted about a minute ago that you're hopping on the show and that you're obviously an hour later than usual, and we appreciate your, your being nimble there, but that you've been letting things marinate. Where are you? What's going on behind you and what's marinating? Oh, sorry. I'm in the press room in Raleigh. This uh, hurricanes play tonight. It's so okay. It's the, okay. Where you can hear the photographers, I guess, because they <laughs> like to chat. But I'm chatting too, so I can't complain. I, I have no. There's no complaints. We can hear you just fine. I just didn't know. So what's been? Mar- what are you marinating on? Man, we got all kinds of takes. So okay. Okay. Then you know what? Over my I bet you I know one. I bet you I know okay. one. I, I bet you I know. I saw you and Darren Gant going back and forth on the ACC tournament being in uh, in Charlotte yeah, and in North Carolina for five straight years. And uh, I don't hate your idea about Reynolds Coliseum. Is that what you've been marinating on? Uh, it's one of many things, but I've been marinating on that for literal years. Oh, okay. And I've had conversations with people at the ACC. I've had conversations with Jim Phillips. I've had conversations with people in Raleigh. And uh, I think it's, it's the, the 75th ACC tournament is in 2028. And I think, you know, Reynolds has been renovated. It's a great building out. I think not playing the Tuesday or Monday and Tuesday games, as it may be, in Reynolds is a massive missed opportunity. And you're going to Charlotte three times in five years anyway. Why does it have to be that year? Why can't you do Raleigh and Greensboro in 2028 and Charlotte in those other years? I don't have any problem with, you know, three in Charlotte, two in Greensboro. It's great to see the tournament stay in the state. Uh, love avoiding Brooklyn. Yes. Uh, where, you know. It's just like a fart in the wind up there. Nobody notices. And so it's, it's, uh, I'm just disappointed. I thought this was a really good idea. I've had one good idea in 25 years here. And uh, I thought there was at least a semi-realistic chance that somebody would say, hey, this is a good idea. It would be great for the league. It would be great to show all the Big East folks how this all started and maybe make it a little more meaningful to them. Um, but no, it's, we're going to do a year-long celebration in Charlotte, which is just the kind of vapid, thoughtless, pointless sort of posturing that the ACC engages in now. The, the failure to, to embrace Reynolds and say we're going to do our 75th right is just part and parcel of the lack of sort of vision and, and initiative and, and intention that is why the ACC is probably not going to exist in its current form by 2028 anyway. So. Um, I guess we shouldn't be surprised at this point. But I don't have any like look, I'm I'm joking with Darren, but I don't have any problem with the tournament going to Charlotte. That's fine. There's you know, it's a great venue and um the, it's always a good crowd, obviously. It's great playing the tournament in North Carolina, um, Greensboro or Charlotte. So I don't have any problem with that. I just think twenty twenty eight is a massive missed opportunity just because people aren't aren't thinking 
clearly. They're not. Maybe they're just not smart enough to see it. Uh, maybe not, Luke. Maybe that's the problem. And uh, sp- speaking of Raleigh and Reynolds, uh, they didn't play in Reynolds last night, but uh, they may as well have. They could have gone there, and, and it would have been a, a better outcome. Uh, they lose to Pitt at home. I know Pitt's getting better, but that still feels like a, a win that NC State should have gotten. How, how damaging was the loss? Yeah, I mean, I think for a team in NC State's position, these home games, like Pitt's a good team, and, and, and uh, uh, Virginia Tech's a good team. But if you want to make the tournament, you have to look at those home games like free throws. you got to make them if you want to win. Um, and then if you go and hit some prayers on the road, like they got to go to Wake and Clemson next, you know, then that, that gets added on top instead of going into those games as absolute must-wins, which is where the Wolfpack finds itself now. So, yeah, I mean, uh, again, missed opportunities, you know, Virginia Tech and Pitt are, you know, there's, uh, they're good teams, and you can't just show up and, 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 and beat them. But they're also games that an NCAA tournament team wins at home. And NC State came close last night. I mean, they had it tied at 30. They had it tied at 60. Um, just, you know, couldn't make their free throws. Pitt did. It's not as simple as that, but it certainly boils down to that. And uh, you got to win those games. DJ Horn said it after the game. You know, we got to. We can't lose anymore. Uh, we 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 got to basically win out if we want to make the NCAA tournament. And it was going to be an uphill battle for the Wolves back anyway. Uh, but these two lo- these two losses in particular, Virginia Tech and Pitt. Hurt. And, and as you noted, Pitt is getting better. Like I, Pitt started slowly. Um, there's a ton of talent there. Their two freshman guards are getting better and better. Blake Hinton's great. Obviously, they went in and 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 tough guy Duke right into uh, you know to pick up a big win at Cameron and Blake Hinton standing on the press row taunting the fans. It was awesome. Uh, we didn't get any of that last night because the game basically ended on two missed free throws, one deliberately and one not deliberately. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, it's gotten awfully late, awfully early for NC State. Um, I'm not sure there's a way out of this in terms of making the NCAA tournament, um, but they do go to Wake and Clemson, and you know, with great peril comes great opportunity. Wins in both of those games changes their outlook completely. I just that's a very, very, very tough ask. Thoughts on the week that Carolina basketballs had: beating Duke, losing to Clemson. What are we thinking? Yeah, I mean, obviously the Duke game was great. They outcuffed Duke in a lot of ways. Um, and and that that was that was good. I mean, that was a, a a huge step forward for that team and that group. But you know, the the obvious lack of commitment to the Clemson game. I mean, Armando Baycott and Harrison Ingram talked about it after the game. They had a, a bad practice Monday. They had a bad shoot around Tuesday. They had guys oversleep from their naps and missed the show up late for for uh, warm ups on on Tuesday. I mean, it was just a, a, everything that you could do to try to lose that game. And now you've got Armando Baycott, the only player in UNC history to lose twice to Clemson at home in his career. I mean, that's what, he's got a lot of notches in the record book. I'm not sure that's one anyone wants. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I like that. Anything notable from Duke hammering Notre Dame last night, or is that just, you know, hashtag as expected? No, not, no, because of, because of what happened against Carolina, because of how frustrated John Shire was with the effort in that game and, uh, to show the effort against Notre Dame. It was a little bit of a get-right game for them. Um, obviously, an opponent that's not putting up the same kind of uh, challenge that a Carolina or a Clemson is. But you needed to see Duke go out there and, and do the things that it has to do to win against better teams. I think Duke did that. I mean, the Kyle Filipowski's performance was a bit concerning. But again, it wasn't like a night where they needed him to be great. Um, but, you know, that, they, that can't become a trend either. As good as his numbers were against Carolina in terms of, you know, the production, there's no question that he got outplayed in that game, and that's something that you can't have happen. 
Luke DeCock, Raleigh News and Observer. He's with us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Uh, let me get to something else here. I, I saw you and uh, Ralph Russo tweeting about this. The National Labor Relations Board issuing that decision that will, you know, basically allow the the basketball team, the men's team at Dartmouth to to unionize up in Hanover, New Hampshire. Like, it, it's one of those things that if you've been paying attention, looks obviously significant, but you don't exactly know how significant and when we're going to see the results of what just happened. You know what I mean? Like what, what is happening? Are we watching the Titanic about to hit the iceberg? What, what's going on here? Yeah, I think, you know, I think we're going to look back at this as one of those tipping point moments where when people say, Oh, you know, how did college athletics change so drastically, which look, those of us who are paying attention have been expecting and predicting and, 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 and watching happen for years. Uh, but this is a, a, a tipping point because, you know, it's going to look, it's going to get appealed and it's going to get um, argued and, and, and all of that. But you, you basically have non-scholarship athletes. You know, the Ivy League does not give out athletic scholarships. And a, and a labor lawyer at the NLRB basically looked at them and said, the demands that the school places on you in terms of your time and your behavior and your haircut and the classes you are and aren't allowed to take, those are the demands that someone places on an employee. And the key phrasing in the report is just because the program loses money doesn't mean they're not employees. And that's a big precedent to set because now pretty much every athlete in college sports fits that definition, whether they're, whether they're a revenue athlete or not. The way forward, and I've been saying this for years, you've heard me say this, your listeners have heard me say this, I've had this conversation with smart ADs who will privately acknowledge that this is the case. The way forward is collective bargaining. You, like the NFL does with its players, you know, a draft is an antitrust violation unless it's collectively bargained. Um, you know, the NFL and its players basically sit down and hammer out the terms of employment. The NCAA or the conferences or some new uh, umbrella organization is going to have to sit down with athletes and hammer out the terms of employment. So you don't want players to transfer three times? Fine. Give them something in exchange for that. You want players to take a certain class load? Fine. Give them something in exchange for that. We're, we're going to get there. That's the way to kind of preserve what we like about college sports, because if you leave it up to the courts and the National Labor Relations Board and Congress and all that, um, it's going to end up like NIL, this patchwork piecemeal, um, you know, uh, limp, uh, ineffective in some ways, too effective in others. You're going to end up with that patchwork quilt of regulations that doesn't work. Collective bargaining is the way. The Dartmouth case does open the door to that. Hopefully some of the people in power who get paid a lot of money not to see things this way will start to see things this way. But it's always difficult to get someone uh, to believe something when their livelihood depends on them not believing it. You know, Dartmouth's been in the news for all sorts of reasons lately. Dartmouth men's basketball unionizing, which could be the final death blow to the NCAA, and Dartmouth bringing back the SAT and ACT for college admissions. Dart Dartmouth's just, they're trendsetters these days. Yeah, and hey, look, their basketball team finally won something. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, that was mean. That felt mean-spirited. Uh, yeah, last thing here. Um, I saw you tweeting about this, and I couldn't agree more. This uh, this new streaming service, Fox, Disney, Time Warner, uh, it's being billed as a streaming service for sports fans, and as much as I love my YouTube TV, if they charge less than YouTube TV, I'm probably switching. So, like, wh what do you expect from this? Uh, is, it any is there anything about this that's innovative, or is this just, as you put it, you know, and I said the other day, just kind of a new spin on the old cable package. Yeah, Tech Bros reinvented the bundle and called it something else. <laughs> uh, it's, it, yeah, it, I, I mean, I, one, I think this is going to be great for people who don't already have 
a cable or satellite package and are trying to watch sports. Um, it's really interesting, though. Look at who's not in this deal, right? The NBC is not putting Notre Dame or the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. uh, you know, type of content in this deal. Uh, it it is it is a lot of inventory stuff, a lot of weeknights. Um, it's a it's a quantity play, not a, a quality play. Um, so there's some there's some sort of subtle angles to this that are really interesting. In the end, though, look, ESPN's going over the top, and probably in 2025, you're going to be able to buy ESPN without a cable package. This goes hand in hand with that. We are going to take sports as the people who own all these rights and sell them directly to the consumer. The question I have is, if I'm the NBA and two or maybe three of my rights holders are all cohabitating here in this new streaming service, how am I going to get effectively bid for the full value of my rights? And I would, if I were the NBA or the NHL or Major League Baseball or whoever, I would certainly be concerned that that some of this is anti-competitive. Because if we're all if we're all benefiting equally from what's available on these services, why would we bid against each other to get right? Luke, appreciate you, buddy. Have a great weekend. We'll talk you to you next it. week. Hey, you Luke, Luke DeCock with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. 704-570-9610. Hit us up on the text line. We'd love to hear from you. Hype C said, put all the games on Pluto. I've heard of that. I haven't watched it yet. I haven't seen it yet, though. Um, 336 number said that he hates that Clemson stat for Armando Baycott because he was one of the few that actually showed up in the game. Yeah, but I, it's a, I hear you, but it's a stat that nobody's going to remember. I mean, there's except another, for like Armando Baycott. Yeah. There's also another stat that uh, can trump that. What? And I said, as a Duke fan, he's a part of that same team that beat K in his last game. And oh yeah. So far more important. That, I, I think that kind of trumps the Clemson one. I mean, that to me, that's just. I find it funny though. Yeah, that's just law of averages. At some point, Clemson was gonna was gonna win at the Dean Dome. Like at some point, it was gonna happen. Seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. TC says KB before Sunday gets here. Do I need some special streaming service to watch the Super Bowl? No, you're good. You're good. Uh, just CBS. Make sure that you, I guess I'll, I'm a big proponent of the HD antenna as a, as a solid backup. Big proponent of the HD antenna. So. Even in case of, you know, your internet going down, you should be fine. Old school, right? Let's go to smoke on the headlines. What's the latest, big boy? All right. Well, uh, Jim Harbaugh's uh, putting his staff together in L.A. with the Chargers, and some familiar faces have returned. Marcus Brady, who was actually interviewing for the Panthers' offensive coordinator job just about a week and a half ago, is joining the squad as the passing game coordinator and former Panthers' offensive line coach, Greg Roman is back with Jim Harbaugh as he is the offensive coordinator for the Chargers. All right. Uh, he's taking a lot of that Michigan staff with him. If Sharon Moore is the, the head coach up there, he's he's going to have to do a lot of hiring. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so what else you got? All right. This is uh, unfortunate news here, but uh, Zay Flowers, wide receiver of the Baltimore Ravens, who had a rough outing in the AFC championship game. Uh, looks like that was the least of his worries because right now police are investigating Zay Flowers in an alleged domestic assault. Not great. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have much to add. Like, yeah. that's one of those things where you, you let it play out, you see what they find, and then you examine the evidence and you make the determination. All right, what else? All right, and finally, uh, OG Ananobi of the New York Knicks is going to be out at least three weeks for New York uh, due to some elbow replacement, cleaning up something in his elbow area. But, Kyle, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of people and a lot of NBA talking heads 
that actually, you know, have credence to some smartness. I actually think they have wait, wait, some some what? Credence to credence uh -uh. to some smartness. Nah, uh -uh. Or wise. It seems just, like a just, say, just say they're smart guys. They're smart guys. Well, uh, it seems like a lot of them are thinking the Knicks could make a run. Do, do you buy that, or is it just too much of it's the New York Knicks? I mean, I, I think there's a lot of hype. That people in New York are very excited. I've seen. Do you follow Turtle on on Twitter, Jerry Ferrara? But Turtle from Entourage. No. Him, Ben Stiller, the actor. Yeah. Like I mean, there's a lot of New York guys that are New York Knicks fans. Like they're just. They've been declaring all year. Basketball's back in New York. This is amazing. This is the best. And I'm happy for Knicks fans. Like, it's that's, been a long time. It's been such a long time. And I, I don't care about the Knicks, but I grew up in the Patrick Ewing, Allen Houston, Charles Oakley era like a lot of you did. So it's nice to see. Can they make a run? A run? To, I mean, I guess if that Atlanta Hawks team a couple of years ago could make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals, this Knicks team probably could. Yeah. I mean, they're 33-18. and 18. They're a good team. And they play defense. I, I think the problem there is... If they can be streaky shooting the basketball, and if the defense isn't there, or if you know it's a day where the the opponent offense is just outplaying the Knicks defense, and that does happen, they're gonna have a hard time winning. But they're good; they are good. Then they could get worn down by playing for Tom Thibodeau. No, that's true too. We'll come back and wrap up the show. I got a, I got one caller to get to. I got a, I got enough time for one more phone line. Whoever gets onto the phone lines right now. We'll get the last phone call to show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. This is Nick Richards of the Charlotte Hornets. You're listening to Kyle Billy on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. Texter hit me up. 704 number said, KB just joined the show real late. Thoughts on the Hornets day, good or bad? And I said, really good. And it just got better because uh, the Hornets have made another move, y'all. Not a trade because the trade deadline ended at three, uh, but they have opened up a roster spot. They just waived James Booknight, the former 11th overall pick in the 2021 NBA draft, a lottery pick that uh, never panned out and I never came close. James Booknight is gone. No longer a Charlotte Hornet. So uh, there's swings and misses. And then there's this. I mean, that's just a coming out of your shoes, you know, swinging at a pitch out. Not even let I me. Mean, that's just bad. Yeah, Bartolo I mean, Colon bad. Yeah, that was bad. I mean, everything, everything about book Knight's experience, everything about the James book Knight experience has been bad from start to finish. I mean, I jokingly told to you like they, uh, they cut him before they finished the investigation on him. Uh, well done, Smokey. Well done. Um, James Booknight cut. With that said, let me squeeze in a final phone call. GM Joe's the last call of the day. Joe, what's going on, man? Hey, Kyle. I listened to um, yesterday's show, and it was like Groundhog Day. Yeah? All these people calling in, talking about Miles Bridges' off-the-court issues. Mm -hmm. I mean, three things have happened since then. He got suspended for a year. The Hornets brought him back. And his first game back, the fans cheered for him. Look, winning organizations... You don't get rid of a guy who's 25, who's athletic, who can shoot, who's competitive, who's Melo's dog, and who wants to be here. So this this guy, I don't understand the fans. This guy should be part of what we are doing going forward. Now, he had the no-trade clause, so I don't know whether they would have traded him if he didn't have that. What do you think? Are you, what do I think about him being here? 
Well, I know you. I think you're a fan of him being here. I believe. I mean, um, but I'm saying, do you think Mitch would have traded him if he didn't have a no trade clause for the right deal? I, I and I, I think that's true of just about any player in the NBA. There are like five to ten players in the NBA that that's not true of. You know what I mean? So I, I think yeah. any good enough deal were it available to trade Miles, Mitch probably takes it. But I think it's clear to your point they weren't looking to move him, and I don't think no. I, don't, I don't think Miles wants to go anywhere. And if Phoenix don't give me Booker, Beal, or Durant, I'm not going to make a trade with them. I hear you. I hear you. Joe, I got to wrap it up, brother. Thanks. Thank you for the phone call. Be good. There you go. Um, Smoke, do we have time? We have time. Let's catch, let's catch them up on what they've missed. It's time for the Rewind. <laughs> Hour number one, Carla Gebhardt, Queen City News on the P.J. Washington trade. Uh, I mean, honestly, the biggest one is P.J. Washington going to Dallas and um, the the first round pick is really the biggest thing about that. Um, you know, obviously bringing some some local guys back to to Carolina. Um, who's to say? You know, kind of what that production is. But when you're thinking about the future and building, which is what the Hornets really need to keep their focus on, that first round pick is really big. And that had to have been uh, pretty hard for Dallas to give up because uh, it's like I think one of the only ones that they've had in a while. Um, so I, I think it was a good trade for for really both. Later in the show, Brian Baldinger, former NFL offensive lineman, analyst with the NFL Network, Fox Sports, and Compass Media, live from the Super Bowl, Radio Row, that is. Here's Brian Baldinger on his level of concern for Iki Iquanu after a rough second year. Well, it's the same talent that got him drafted sixth overall. And I like Iki personally, but that was a horrible year. And is that is that coaching? Is that the system? Like, he was reaching and overextending and, you know, getting himself out of position. And the the job of the left tackle is to be as consistent as clockwork. And that that wasn't there. And so I think you gotta really get back to the, the fundamentals of playing and and uh and really starts with the set and just getting really comfortable and and consistent with the set to start the play. From one offensive lineman to another, here's Mark Schlereth, Fox Sports ESPN, or sorry, Fox Sports NFL color analyst and 104.3 The Fan in Denver. Here's Mark explaining why he's a big Dave Canales fan. Loved it. Dave is a friend. Dave is a guy that um, that I, I talked to during the season um, that I discussed concepts with and, and discussed the running game with uh, quite a bit. And so... Uh, he is a he is a, a hell of a young coach, and um, a guy that is you know to me is a relationship builder, and I, I just believe in building relationships. I think we're all in the relationship business. If you're not in that business, you're going out of business. And I thought Dave was incredible at that, and I thought um, he did an unbelievable job. Remember, Tampa was horrible at running the ball early in the season, and they made incredible strides. That's the Rewind. To look back into the show each and every day as we wrap things up as a reminder to get us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google. Just search The Kyle Bailey Show. Download, subscribe. We'd appreciate you. And we got to go. We, somebody a minute ago, where's my bike? Said, KB, I've got a two-hour drive. Can you, stay on, can you stay on the air for an extra hour or two? I cannot. The, all the boys are in the building. We've got a WFNZ staff meeting in five minutes. So I don't, I don't know the last time we had one of these, but we're having a WFNZ staff meeting with pizza and shenanigans down the hallway in six, in five minutes smoke you ready for this let's do it let's go eat our weight in papa john's or whatever we just got i have no idea let's do it we're back tomorrow looking forward to it until then for smoke ludwig i'm kyle bailey this is sports radio 92.7 wfnz you're gonna be dead in 100 years anyway live dangerously